Mamie! Mamie! Ticket, you're a homeboy under that hair. Dead gum television. Mr. Jaffa, I, uh, I can only say that I find your statement to be boorish. Listening to What Else But WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. 88.3. Mamón, hijo puta, cabrón. Nixon's vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear the music at the restaurants or on the elevators, that music is destructive. That music. If we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know, I feel like uh, my music uh, I have a new record coming out. I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Whoops, Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm guessing Jim is having trouble finding a parking spot because uh, it did look kind of crowded around CBN. Uh, this evening, maybe it's the spring weather. <laughs> Who could have imagined a couple of days ago that today would be a, a day worthy of uh, having opening day uh, down in Detroit. In any event, since he's not here at the moment, I think I'll just start out very quickly with the interesting Final Four, uh, my analysis of that. So I was able to squeeze in the very end of the MSU game and saw most of the Michigan game in between um, most of my film-going activity yesterday at the Ann Arbor Film Fest, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, I hate to say this, but I think that the Kentucky-Michigan uh, game was fixed. I don't say this is a, a, because of the bitter disappointment in the loss. Obviously, Kentucky won the game on a prayer shot. But I have a feeling that there was quite a lot of money bet on Michigan uh, before the... Um, before the uh, uh, NCAA, Michigan was interestingly a 20-to-1 long shot to win it all. 
And I suspect that Kentucky, uh, and this was no upset, Kentucky was not a number eight seed. That's uh, ridiculous. That was part of the problem with that Midwest region. There was a lot of misseeding of those teams. Uh, MSU lost the game on a, on a dumb play by uh, a, a young fellow that made a mistake fouling a guy that was throwing up a prayer, and they got beat on the foul line. Uh, Con- Connecticut just simply won the game on the foul line. But the Michigan game was fantastic. It was one of the best games you'll ever see in your life. Uh, in, even though I missed the middle 12 minutes of the game, I saw most of the second half, saw the very end of the first half, and I saw the first four minutes. What a game. But uh, I think there needs to be a little bit of an investigation on some of the questionable calls. Every single one of them went Kentucky's way. Very suspicious. Well, I remember back in the day, growing up in Jackson, when there were, every once in a while, there'd be arrests for, like, illegal gambling pools. Oh, yeah. You know, betting and so forth. And, uh, you know, an uncle of mine was caught up in something like that once. It was a workplace betting thing, and it was probably nothing any more sinister than... Uh, occurs in millions of workplaces across the country with gambling on there's so much money on this bracket thing yeah that it has become a it's sort of you know legal illegal gambling well the only reason that i suggest that the game widely accepted and widely practiced might have been fixed is that it's very well known that in new york city for instance there is an enormous uh university of michigan alumni in fact uh, i understand they get together in certain bars and watch both football and basketball games together and i suspect that there was a lot of money on michigan as a 20 to 1 uh, long shot favor uh let's face it kentucky (laughs) is not one of our wealthiest states uh and, of course, the state of Kentucky is sort of split between Louisville uh, fanatics and Kentucky fanatics. Mm, true. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be too bitter about this, but there were several out-of-bounds plays where Michigan players were clearly fouled. No calls. Kentucky got the ball twice on outrageous non-calls on, in both situations. There was an obvious goaltending that was not called in the first half. So, I don't know. Anyway. On uh, more important I, I can't say I'd be surprised if uh, it was fixed. It would, some have, level. would have been nice to have seen three Big Ten teams in the Final Four. So let's uh, root for Wisconsin. They run a legitimate basketball uh, team. And hats off to John Beeline. Uh, basically, his three best players from last year, uh, two of them went pro. One of them got hurt. He completely rebuilt this team. And uh, look at how successful they were. This is the first Michigan team to win the Big Ten. Uh, in quite some time, uh, I think 1986, because interestingly, the Fab Five never won the Big Ten regular hmm. season, and there might be some uh, investigations into that. But that's uh, we'll save that for another show. Anyway, since you're here, I figured we could talk. Yeah, a little I arrived bit about a little bit late. Uh, as, uh, having problems with parking, I construction and traffic and parking. Yeah, Gosh, I uh, noticed all the parking spots near CBN were were taken. Yeah, it's very strange. Well, there's a lot going on, and I guess President Obama's going to be in town on Wednesday. Oh, I yeah, had no idea. I just heard that myself, so uh, we'll have to find out a little bit more about that. But yeah, I just heard that from two people not 15 minutes ago. Huh. Well, he was uh, visiting the Pope last week, so uh, I don't want to disappoint him. <laughs> Point him, but I, I think Ann Arbor is a far more <laughs> attractive place than the Vatican. 
the catacombs of the Vatican. Well, I don't know. Rome is a pretty spectacular city, but uh, we're coming into the nice weather now here in Ann Arbor, and uh, it's it's going to be nice. I uh, wonder if uh, Obama's going to ha- hang around for the hash bash. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, kind of doubt it, but uh, I believe what I heard was that there's some sort of like healthcare talk. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there is a big uh, there's seminar. There's a lot of on good that. reasons for uh, Ann Arbor to be a. Uh, a good setting for such a talk. Yeah, they've had a couple of talks this uh, this uh, term at the uh, Gerald Ford Public School of Public Policy, mm-hmm. and I've unfortunately been in New York City quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend uh, so, so those kinds of uh, activities that that sort of uh, are addendums to the incredible environment uh, intellectually here in the city of Ann Arbor. Uh, most of these uh, talks are free and open to the public. And many of them have taken place either at Hutchins Hall or the actual Ford Public Policy mm-hmm. School at the corner of State and Hill. That brick building dedicated yeah. to Gerald Ford. Yep, Michigan native, only uh, Michigan, uh, only uh, president from Michigan and the only president of the United States never to have been elected president of the United States. And the only one to play center uh, as an All-American football player. That's Although John, uh, Lyndon Johnson put him on the Warren Commission with the joke that he played a lot of football without his helmet, right? <laughs> and uh, Dick uh, Dick Cheney uh, probably played uh, some uh, some sort of well. He 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 strikes me as kind of a hoodlum type. I he no no Dick Cheney strikes me as the kind of guy. I don't think who, he was very athletic. <laughs> who'd cleat you in a pileup? Right. <laughs> I'll rake you down the shins. Ah, I'll shoot you in the face later. As for John McCain, uh, he's still looking for his space helmet somewhere in Washington. Indeed. Well, I noticed the other night uh, when uh, I got home after a long night uh, celebrating the successful conclusion of uh, the 52nd uh, annual Ann Arbor Film Festival that I had these, like, worn marks on my elbows where they've been resting on the Michigan Theater's chairs for about 10 hours a day all week. And... uh, I think just uh, a real uh, hats off to uh, the uh, commi- commission, the committee uh, who run the festival, uh, particularly programming director David Donnell, who did radio years back here at CBN, uh, Horizons type programming. Uh, he does such an excellent job uh, scheduling the films. I know there's a, an embarrassment of riches and it's very frustrating for uh, festival goers to you can't see it all. You've got to make dif- difficult decisions about which room you're going to go to. But uh, the programs are all uh, very solid. And uh, hats off to David Donnell for just an exceptional uh, film festival this year. A real coup to have both Penelope Ferris and Tom Anderson. Yeah, because I saw... They were here all week. I saw Red uh, Hollywood on Friday. You were there. Yep. And I also saw his uh, documentary uh, at the uh, U of M... Uh, Art Museum uh, yesterday afternoon, fabulous uh, documentary about the uh, the role of shipping in our global economy, and it's rather amazing that there happens to be an, an article in the uh, most recent edition of the New York Review of Books. I, I highly recommend this particular edition, by the way. It's got an analysis of Roger Ailes, Dick Cheney. Interesting article about the Enlightenment. Lots about uh, Ukrainistan. <laughs> I've yeah. decided to rename. 
Ukrainistan sounds. Well, I've old. been saying they need to rename that country uh, for for since this crisis broke. But um. and an homage to uh, Doctor Strangelove, uh, one of my favorite all-time movies, and certainly well, one of yours. Indeed, uh, a film that we can quote uh, pretty much uh, in its entirety, but uh, is celebrating its fiftieth uh, anniversary this year. Um, I don't know if there's anything. I think I should mention quickly about the film festival that uh, WCBN was uh, very happy to uh, get an exclusive interview with Penelope Spheris uh, that Sue Dice did. And I'm hoping that will be rebroadcast at some point. It went out over the air during uh, the Tight Pants program. Um, Missed it. I was at the film festival. Yeah, I was busy watching <laughs> movies too. So, But I've heard really good things about it from those uh, who did hear it. She uh, actually did radio for, uh, I guess, 30, 45 minutes during uh, the Kristen's show. Oh, cool. Uh, so <clears throat> that's what kind of a town we live in, folks. Uh, you know, artistic, intellectual filmmakers come to town, spend a week, enjoy themselves here in town. They come down to WCBN. Uh, it's just uh, what a great uh, thing it is to uh, live here in a city that cares about uh, art, artists. You know, ideas. Yeah, and I think it's that one of the uh, interesting exciting time to uh, things since they've added video to the uh, sort of collage of uh, films at the Ann Arbor Film Festival. They did that a couple of years ago. Um, is that I think that the documentaries, the quality of the documentaries, is just simply outstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, the two that I saw this year were, uh, of course, uh, subjects that I'm interested in: the globalization of economics and uh, the alienation of. Uh, workers as they're affected by technology and uh, shall we say restructuring of the global economy and this particular movie that I saw yesterday it's amazing how how the article in this uh, April 3rd edition of the New York Review of Books a passage from Hong Kong about the global shipping uh, industry 90% of everything that uh, she's reviewing a book called 90% of everything inside shipping the invisible industry that puts clothes on your back gas in your car and food on your plate and uh, I thought that the uh, this uh, movie that alas was not w uh, as well attended as it should have been well uh, but it, it was, was in conflict the yeah. forgotten space was simply outstanding it was also screened at the uh Art Museum at the yeah. Helmut Stern Auditorium, so it was a little bit away from uh, the main activities at the Michigan. A very comfortable room, by the it's way. It's a very nice room, yeah, but it's an example of uh, sort of the uh, embarrassment of riches that uh, comes through the festival. Yeah, uh, and, and some of these longer films will become available either online um, or as hard copies that you can watch via Netflix or you know own a DVD of, but... Uh, it's worth, in the back of the program guide, there are contacts for a number of the um, films and filmmakers. Uh, I was already looking around on uh, the uh, internet. Vimeo is a good site for film. Um, for the, the animation piece that I thought, that was my one maybe a critique of this year's winners, uh, was the best animation I thought was this Spanish cartoon called Unicorn Blood that was just jaw-droppingly cool and amazing. So look for that online. There is a trailer available with uh, English subtitles. It's a Spanish film. Um, but uh, other than that, the judges picked uh, really good things. There were more African films in the festival this year uh -huh. than ever before. There were more world premieres uh, than there have been in past festivals. So again... This is an important, prestigious festival, and uh, 
And we should add that I think there will be some sort of a fundraiser event involving a reshowing of some of the, the films. Yeah, that's sort of... Uh, Usually in June. They're trying to... Well, there's a touring package. There's some a touring of these package, films too. that will tour, you know, all over North America and some places in Europe. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interest in... But again, because of uh, scheduling conflicts, I chose to see all the Tom Anderson films, you know, primarily documentaries. Um He's not just a filmmaker, but uh, an intellectual. Yeah. Uh, and not just an intellectual, but a great writer. Uh, the prose style that his, uh, you know, regardless of who's doing the voiceover reading, um, is very engaging, you know, very uh, stimulating, very knowledgeable, uh, professorly yet accessible. So I missed out on the Penelope Sphera stuff. So uh, they're trying to figure out a way to re-screen some things so that people can get a chance to see things they missed. Sure. And yeah, the Tom Anderson, uh, his involvement in the film, by the way, The Forgotten Space, was a little unclear to me because it was a, co, a co-film by... Uh, um, oh, I see. Oh, that's Noel, actually, Noel Birch. Yeah, that's not one is, of the Tom it, Andersons. Is, was, that was not a Tom Anderson. Yeah. He, Noel Birch did the film with Tom Anderson called Red Hollywood. Correct. Which was a fabulous movie. Um, yeah, again, it's both a, a very good history and also a very good film study because he showed examples from numerous films uh, involving writers, uh, actors who had were either part of the Hollywood Ten or whose careers were affected by the blacklist. And it was uh, interesting how uh, a couple of clips from Kiss Me Deadly uh, ended up in this uh, Forgotten Spaces movie. Oh, uh, really? One of my favorite... Uh, I just watched that last night because Tom Anderson talked about it in a couple of the films. So oh, I, yeah. I had to watch it again last night. It's a fabulous 1950s <laughs> sort of kitschy... Dark Cold War, yeah. very menacing very um, film deep. noir. Yeah, it's, it's very a deep. Very, uh, Robert Eldridge film. It's a very um, jarring movie from the beginning to the end. And, of course, it certainly influenced Repo Man. <laughs> oh, Yeah. And lots of other films. Lots of other films. But um, it's, it's, it's Mike Hammer, isn't, isn't it? It's a Mike Hammer film. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Meeker plays uh, uh, Mike Hammer in this one. The detective, one. the hard-drinking detective. I think I turned into Ralph Meeker last night. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good after party. <laughs> the oh, problems, of, the problems of, of, of going to the film festival from 2 o'clock until 10 o'clock with basketball intermingled in between. Yeah, yeah not I missed a couple of good hockey games. Uh, but yeah, you, you sometimes forget to eat dinner. You don't have time. But I mean, yeah, I was in the, the Michigan Theater from like 11 a.m., 12.30 p.m. to 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I'll be going into withdrawal symptoms uh, any day now. Yeah. You got to just keep watching stuff. I'm going to need to dry out, as they say, for a couple of days. I'm going to mention one last very strong film from the festival that I strongly encourage listeners to uh, uh, try and track down because I think it's of great interest to people in this community. It didn't really win any prize or did it for sound. I think it did win for sound. Um, actually, I can't see that a particular award and what it's called here, but the film was called Single Stream, and it was a 23-minute uh, documentary, no voiceover, just pure depiction of a recycling processing plant. Oh, uh-huh. And just visually mesmerizing uh, the, you know, bizarre, gigantic machinery that burns a lot of energy itself to recycle packaging and post-consumer, you know, waste. Um with brilliant sound design by Ernst Carroll, um, 
we actually got to talk to. He's a very nice guy. Uh, he was at the festival, too. And if you can believe this, by the way. Look for that film online. Single stream. It won't be stream. as a, a, you know impressive mm -hmm. on your computer as it was on a big, big screen. But uh, it raises a lot of interesting questions about the practice uh, and you know policy of recycling. Yeah, and one of the interesting observations that was made in the forgotten space is that the massive quantities of shipping containers that are actually exported to China uh, by boat. By the way, the size of these boats, to give you an idea, imagine the Empire State Building laid horizontally. Uh, this is actually how Maya Jasanoff introduces her article, A Passage from Hong Kong, in the New York Review of Books. Well, that's the size of the ship, Yeah, the Empire State Building, and it's loaded with train cars. Train cars, yeah. Filled with all sorts of goods, and in some cases, you're just about to explain. Yeah, and... and refuse. And, yeah, that was it, the the paper waste is yep. actually the number one thing we ship back to China. <laughs> Incredible, and the idea that ninety percent of what we buy essentially comes to us via these uh, um, rail cars, so to speak, because they are moved by boat, uh, by rail, and even by truck. Uh, so it's a fascinating uh, reality of the global economy. And when one thinks back just, uh, to, for instance, Hong Kong as a city, uh, you know, 50 years ago, everything pretty much was moved by hand mm -hmm. and animals. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, it, it had some very interesting geopolitical analysis of even the situation in Europe regarding Rotterdam and the Belgium uh port city of Antwerp. Mm -hmm. So it, it showed three different continents involved in this incredible global e economy. And how that, that nobody ever talks about, you never see. Yeah. It's and, invisible. And yet everything, you know, uh, relies on it. And especially now that we live in this kind of uh, almost sickening uh, consumeristic society in which uh, mindless consumption has really replaced things like conversation, uh, books, going to the movies. It's, uh, it's uh, troubling. And uh, it's just uh, uh, unbelievable looking at some of these photographs and images regarding the global shipping economy. Uh, so I highly recommend both this article in the New York Review of Books and if you should get a chance to ever see the Forgotten Space, do so. And I'd like to thank the University of Michigan uh, Museum of Art for presenting this movie uh, with support from the Andy Warhol Foundation. So hats off to the University of Michigan, as usual. And uh, one last hats off to the festival. Yeah. and I look I, forward to the next one already. I don't know about the best film award either, uh, I think that my favorite movie that I actually saw was the uh, Hacked Circuit movie. Oh, the Deborah Stratman. Yeah, that was interesting. That was fabulous. Uh, really just a, a pretty straightforward uh, demonstration of how Foley art works. Um, uh, using, as their example, a couple of scenes from the uh, great Francis Coppola film, The Conversation. Yeah, and the reason that I love that movie, and by the way, I believe this is the 50th anniversary of that movie this year. Oh, and year. that was the film that won Best Sound Design, not Single Stream. I, I forgot about that. Okay. 
Makes sense. It's about sound design, but uh, boy, the sound design in that single stream was amazing. But the fact that the conversation came out the very year that Nixon resigned and involving the subject matter of wiretapping and mm -hmm. paranoia and all that stuff, absolutely remarkable. I once did see an interview by Francis Ford Coppola about why he made the conversation in between the Godfather movies, and he frankly admitted, and this, of course, is the reality of being a genius artist like Francis Ford Coppola, because I don't hesitate to use the word describing his body of work. Uh, the Godfather movies, of course, are classics. Godfather 2, in my opinion, slightly better than Godfather 1. And Apocalypse Now, uh, should possibly have won. the best should have, uh, yeah, Vietnam won the, film. Should have won the Academy Award for that, that year. I Got beat out by Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. A decent movie, but not comparable to not Apocalypse Now. Not at all. But the conversation he pointed out was the movie that he'd been working on for most of his uh, career in grad school as a film student. And that because he had made enough money from The Godfather, he said, boom, I'm making this now while I have the time and the money. And, of course, Gene Hackman's performance in the conversation is uh, great. Yeah, that's a film that gets written about extensively, and uh, it's uh, Nixon at the Movies. I forget the author of that. Is it Mark Feeney? Something like that. Um, as one of the most representative films of the Nixon era, just, you know, zeitgeist-wise. Yeah. That sense of paranoia, that sense of, you know, everybody's being monitored, who's watching who. Um, and, of course, the cast in the conversation film. Uh, ended up being, uh, the, 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 you know, a lot of the Godfather uh, actors. An amazing cast. I think it might have been Harrison Ford's first movie. Uh, it's Robert, his first big role, yeah. Robert Duvall, one of his earliest roles. Just amazing stuff. And, of course, the, the whole issue of wiretapping and surveillance is still with us more than ever. Indeed. In many ways that we don't even realize. But it was great to, to have uh, an homage to Edward Snowden um, at the end of that movie, Hacked Circuit. Right. So, uh, otherwise, I didn't really pay much attention to uh, the rest of the outside world yeah, last week. Yeah, I was sort of uh, in a vacuum. Uh, it's uh, a good vacuum to be in. And it was actually yeah, you got to do it once in a while. Kind of a slow news week anyway. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, sad, um, you know, digging going on in the state of Washington. More right. uh, nonsense going on in Ukrainistan. Uh, and, uh, oh, of course, lots of uh, focus on the final hours of the deadline regarding Obamacare. Uh, I understand that the volume of traffic today caused the system to crash so we'll see what happens with that but uh um always be aware of the uh to and i'm quoting here from the david bromwich article doctors happy birthday dr strangelove always be aware the total influence economic political even spiritual is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government, in the councils of government. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. That's from Dwight Eisenhower's farewell speech. 
on the 17th of January, 1961. And, of course, he knew. Uh, well, he was well-positioned to... Uh, that's, that's maybe one of the most significant uh, parting gestures uh, from any president in the history of our country, that speech. And let's remember that Franklin Roosevelt... Um, there's a lot of nonsense out there about how he conspired to get us into World War II, uh, you know, conspiracy theories about Pearl Harbor. They're all pretty much puerile nonsense. But let's remember that Franklin Roosevelt, in spite of all the other great things he did as president, he was the greatest manager of a, of a war in the history of human civilization, organizing the Allied cause, delegating the, the authority to George Marshall, who selected Eisenhower, to be the uh, commander of D-Day. And it's th this ability that Roosevelt had to pick the right people yeah. for the jobs that they performed in World War II. Uh, I'm definitely an anti-war person. I think that most wars have been avoidable. But World War II was not avoidable. We were dealing with a madman called Adolf Hitler. And uh, Dr. Strangelove. Mein Führer, I can walk! <laughs> had some fascinations about the man. By the way, the, the Happy Birthday Dr. Strangelove article is, uh, is well worth reading, too. You'll, you'll learn some things about the making of that movie that you probably didn't know. A pretty nervy film to make, and uh, I think uh, you and I are in uh, uh, complete agreement on this one, that Stanley Kubrick is one of the greatest filmmakers ever. Yes. And uh, Dr. Strangelove... Uh, even though we think of the Cold War as being over, we think that we want it, we know that there's still many unaccounted for weapons. There's all plutonium spills and damaged things all over the planet. So this film is still relevant 50 years later. So uh, get off the floor, Mandrake. That's right. Thanks to Tex for engineering this evening here on Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station. You're listening to WCBN in Ann Arbor. A square, y'all. This is Jake and Jake at WBCN. John Kidd. That's WCBN. WBCN. CCCBN. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, man. Ann Arbor, oh! Yeah, I was there during the 60s when the universe made something. All right, so uh, hi, guys, out there in Ann Arbor. Now we're going to... I mean, WCBN. Amen. 